So Joe Biden came out yesterday. I'll give it to him. You know, pretty coherent speech. Uh, didn't see many that many fumbles. Um, it's amazing that you have to like that. That's a good thing. That's the bar to reach. <laughs> right. Is that there weren't that many fumbles. Right. That's what my plan is to build back better. It's bold. It's practical. We've seen in the course of this pandemic that we need to strengthen our industrial base as long-term sourced sources of middle-class job creation. Let's use this opportunity to take bold investments in American industry and innovation so the future is made in America, all in America. I do not accept a defeatist view that forecasts that automa- automation and globalization mean we can't keep well-paid jobs here in America and create more of them. I do not buy it for one second that the vitality of American manufacturing is a thing of the past. American manufacturing was with a functioning arsenal of democracy in World War II. has to be part of the engine of new prosperity in America now. So today, I'm releasing a blueprint I think the press has how to create millions of good-paying union jobs, building products and technologies that we need now and will need in the future. But I found it so interesting. I found it so interesting that Joe Biden, I reject, I reject the claim that, you know, we can't have American, you know, we can't have both. We can't have American manufacturing and, you know, globalized, uh, a globalized workforce. Huh. Joe Biden talking about bringing back manufacturing to America, talking in a way like he's anti-globalist. That's very different than this Joe Biden. I don't know if you've ever seen this, Jen. Yes, because you sent me the clip. I sent it to you. (laughs) Uh, I quite frankly think that both the arguments for and against NAFTA are vastly, vastly, vastly overblown. As I look at, uh, at this issue, And I do not pretend to be an expert on uh, international trade matters. I I see it in the end that three, five, seven, ten years from now, we're going to look down at this issue. And in terms of the context in which it's being debated about creating jobs or losing jobs, this is essentially going to be a wash. uh, I've been struck by the, uh, the depths of the concerns expressed by those who oppose NAFTA on the one hand, and the apparent ease with which uh, some of NAFTA's supporters have dismissed the concerns of those who oppose NAFTA. How, I wonder, could some Americans be so confident that NAFTA is the key to a bright future when the others are just as convinced that with NAFTA there is no future? Perhaps most disturbing to me has been the argument by some, and I emphasize some, not all, supporters of NAFTA, that uh, their opponents are reacting out of ignorance or out of fear. After all, they seem to say, we know uh, that, the, uh, that a poll of our country's experts and elites would show overwhelming support for the principles of free trade. Uh, I don't know if you heard this, Jen. This is 1993, so that would be... What's that? I'm not good at math. 17 years ago? Yeah. No. I have no idea. I don't do math either. That's 2003, 2013. So that's 27 years ago. Excuse me. 
Uh, did you hear him say the part that, you know, seven to ten years from now, this will be a wash? Later in the speech, right. later in the later in the speech, he says NAFTA will grow way more jobs than it took away. First of all, you know, don't want to trigger anyone because I know a lot of people don't like it. Where was Bernie Sanders with this? Why was Bernie Sanders not running ads playing that in Michigan, in other parts of the country? I mean, it's not you don't have to reinvent the wheel. Just Joe Biden's record on its own is worse than Hillary Clinton's because he's been in public office longer. Frankly, unless I've missed it, I mean, I've seen some of Trump's ads. We just saw that ad that he's running in Pennsylvania just showing Biden's mental decline and, you know, just not making any sense when he speaks. But like right here is gold. It was gold for Bernie. It should be gold for Trump. They're not doing it. And Joe Biden, uh, yes, Trump's terrible. Yes, he's number one. He is number one responsible uh, for the coronavirus deaths. Buck stops with the president. He's been he was slow to act. And now he's acting like it's over when it's at its height. So let's you know, just me knocking Biden. I don't want to don't get it twisted. Trump is a dangerous man. Trump is responsible for a lot of death. But somebody's got to call out the gall of this man, Joe Biden, who like the Iraq war, he wasn't some silent backbencher in the Senate. He was one of the leading proponents of pushing NAFTA. So as Ohio and Pennsylvania and Michigan and Wisconsin, putting aside coronavirus for a second, as they decided the election last time, in many ways, in most, in most electoral maps, they will decide the election again. And you have Joe Biden up there spewing bullshit about how he's some, uh, you know, buy an America guy. Bring back American jobs. We're going to lead the future. This is the same bullshit I heard from Bill Clinton. This is the same bullshit Obama put out there. At least Bush didn't pretend to care about bringing jobs back. Joe Biden is part, in large part, responsible for all those plants closing. They, he said later on in that speech that uh, a plant in Delaware, they're gonna, they were going to open up more plants in Delaware because of NAFTA. Well, the very plants he cited that were open at the time closed in 2007 because of offshoring. So I don't know how this guy says all this with a straight face. Trump and his campaign aren't calling, on, calling him on it, which I don't really get. If you look into the details of this Build America um, plan... He's going to do $700 billion, I guess, towards some tax incentives or direct government spending uh, for the government, for a potential Biden administration to buy American. So to buy um, masks and PPE equipment and other things uh, manufactured in America, thus creating more manufacturing jobs. But I have a sneaking suspicion, Jen. And this is what I sent uh, to Crystal the other morning because snuck into this Wall Street Journal story is what I've been saying since the beginning. Joe Biden, if he becomes president, he will sign TPP while you're sleeping. He will sign it. The Trans-Pacific Partnership. Yeah, they'll change a sentence or two. Throw in some labor protections, environmental protections that, of course, will be watered down when it's passed. This is in the Wall Street Journal story. 
Mr. Trump's re-election campaign released a new television ad Thursday attacking Mr. Biden's support for trade deals such as the North American Free Trade Agreement and the Trans-Pacific Partnership. But the key part that I sent to Crystal was in the Buy American plan, when Biden's advisors were talking to reporters about it, they said, uh, well, we're not going to make trade deals a priority like the TPP. They won't be a priority for us uh, maybe later down the road, i.e., yeah, yeah, once the surface level numbers are better under a Biden administration, yeah, we're signing the TPP lickety split. That's what he said. Don't take it from me. Take it from his, take it what from his advisors told reporters. So to me, he's very clearly saying when they say, oh, it's not going to be a priority for us, that means – but it's not out of the question either. So on one in one breath, what he's saying is we need to buy American. We're going to bring back plants. And he's kind of basically copying Trump's 2016 uh, mantra of, you know, reestablishing American manufacturing, you know, uh, turning around this American globalization. While at the same time, his team is saying, well, TPP, it's not a priority, but might happen down the road. But I think. Like, one thing that I want to point out is that um, you can, it's so Hillary-esque, the Build Back Better plan. What does that even mean? It's just, it's word salad. It means nothing. It, it inspires no one. And then when you actually go through it, and as Jordan's done, you go back through uh, his stances in the past and the things he's actually done in the past. In the end, it really means nothing. And maybe it sounds good. Okay, let's refocus on American manufacturing and, and giving American workers um, a leg up. Let's let's bring back what's been lost in this country. But it's so it's so meaningless. It's so uninspiring and it's so against his history. Like you have to really put aside Joe Biden's history and stances in the past to really even believe him and um, and think that this is actually going to lead to change. Like as soon as I saw the build, what is it even called? The build back better plan. I mean, it sounds like um, it's like as convincing as stronger together or what's Melania's silly, silly. Um, uh, I don't even remember her silly, like social media um phrase that she is her initiative it's like these these politicians they don't actually lead to change or do anything substantial that leads to change they just come up with fancy phrases and like joe biden have all the media run this as if it's as if it's good and and plant the seed that oh joe biden's going to do this and it's going to be so different from what trump is doing and finally things are going to get better but there's nothing really there for the people it's not going to lead to real change because joe biden doesn't have any convictions and this is what i sent uh to crystal the other morning because snuck into this wall street journal story is what i've been saying since the beginning joe biden if he becomes president he will sign tpp while you're sleeping he will sign it, the Trans-Pacific Partnership. Yeah, they'll change a sentence or two. Throw in some labor protections, environmental protections that, of course, will be watered down when it's passed. This is in the Wall Street Journal story. Uh, hold on. Hold on. Let me find it. Oh, this is what happens. All right, I don't know where it is. I'll update it uh, when we post this video after the fact.
Holy shit, Jen. What? I think I've just unearthed something interesting. What? So, audience, to the 370 people watching, to the 370 people watching, you know how I was spending about five minutes trying to find the thing that I sent to Crystal, that she gave me a shout out, that the advisor in this Wall Street Journal article had said, uh, well, let me show you, because I found it on uh, Sagar, uh, posted it on his Twitter, what I sent him. Hold on. So... This is the part that I sent to Crystal from the Wall Street Journal article. The advisor also said Mr. Biden won't make a priority of entering new free trade agreements or reviving the 12-nation Trans-Pacific Partnership that President Obama negotiated at the end of his term and that Mr. Trump pulled out out of at the beginning of his. Mr. Biden won't consider, quote, entering new trade deals before the work is done at home to make investments in American job creation. So, Jen, how I read that is he won't consider entering new trade deals before the work is done at home to make investments in American job creation. That doesn't fucking mean anything. Basically, what that means is, yeah, when the surface level numbers are good again, we'll get back to those, glo- those free trade agreements, including the TPP. Right there, it says, won't make it a priority of entering trade deals like the TPP. He's not ruling it out. Which, like I said during the campaign when he was pretending that as constituted he was not for the TPP, he's absolutely for the TPP. He was trying to push Hillary Clinton in 2016 not to abandon it and to stick with it. Well, isn't it interesting, Jen? This two paragraphs now gone from the story in the Wall Street Journal. I was trying to find it because I'm the one who spotted it and sent it to Crystal. It's been taken out of the story. So I'm going to say I'm going to say there's two options, two options here, because, you know, websites, they call it stealth editing. So you'll publish a piece and then edit after the fact. Sometimes they change the headline. Sometimes they, you know, change a word here or there. But to literally remove two paragraphs, you know, my guess is, Jen, rising has become pretty influential, wouldn't you say? Uh, Crystal is very influential. Uh, I'd say it's, other than the Young Turks, boo, uh, one of the more influential uh, platforms for progressives. All of a sudden, after Crystal and Sagar mentioned that the, the part about TPP in that Wall Street Journal article, it's not in the article anymore. So I'm gonna take it from here. Uh, We know that Joe Biden's campaign has gotten the New York Times to edit damaging things out of their pieces. In the New York Times case, uh, damaging things about his history making women uncomfortable. I don't have any proof, but what I do know is yesterday when this article came out, those two paragraphs were in there, as Sagar tweeted. And now they're not. And by the way, this very clearly, I I, I said at the time, no corporate journalists are going to care about this because they're all out of touch and think the TPP is wonderful. But this right here is basically the, this is basically the, the, this is the, uh, the, the signal. Yeah, it's not a priority, but once job creation is back to snuff, we'll get back into free trade deals like the TPP. And now it's gone. So you tell me, why would they take those two paragraphs out? if not for seeing it mentioned on Rising, and not want any spotlight on the fact that Joe Biden is actually totally for TPP. I will say this. 
Biden does have smart people around him. They're not the same idiots running Hillary Clinton's campaign. One of them uh, is uh, Obama staffer. Uh, 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 Jennifer Dillon O'Malley is the campaign manager, and she was with Obama on his successful reelection. So my guess is they asked the editor to remove that. And that's significant. So I will send that to Rising, hopefully. Hopefully they'll have me on as a guest to talk about it. I mean, it's not Watergate, but it is pretty significant that, like, why would you take just that part out of the story after this big show with almost 700,000 subscribers calls you out for really being for the TPP? It just shows Joe Joe Biden. You want to call him Sleepy Joe? I call him Slippery Joe. Now. Well, and it's not surprising that this has been edited out. We've seen this happen before. And it's it's the fact that the media tries to portray it or the, the mainstream media tries to portray itself as objective and um, truth tellers. And and they're totally like journalists have the highest ethics in the land. But when it really comes down to it, these mainstream journalists have incredibly cushy relationships with the top um, politicians and their aides. Jordan, that was that ridiculous article we read on the road trip where it was about um, Liz Smith, or that's her name, right? Liz Smith, Mm -hmm. Judges chick. Um, Uh, I don't appreciate the terminology chick, but go on. (laughs) I'll say what I want. Judges, what was she, the campaign manager or the um, press person? She was his communications, yeah. So, so the comps person. And she had such incredibly close relationships with so much of the media that basically she would, she would be able to call them or write them or whatever. And they, the reason that Buttigieg did, did so well, I mean, as well as he did and got such a spotlight is because of her relationship with the media. So it's not like these, these access they are they're access journalists they're not ethical they're not objective they are in the bag for whoever they've chosen to be in the bag for so seeing this edited which turns out to be in favor of or like kind of hiding away something that the joe biden team doesn't want to be seen is not a surprise at all it's disgusting and nobody else will probably even talk about it or take the time to notice it, or if they do, they'll just say, oh, it's just for the common good. Like, we have to get Joe Biden elected, so it's all for the common good. These these media people have just become extra campaign arms. It's, it's horrifying and disgusting, and it really makes me so, so mad because I grew up wanting to be a journalist and thinking, you know, oh, I'd love to work for the New York Times someday or the Washington Post. Like, I want to be the next Woodward and Bernstein. Um, but when it comes down to it, especially today, no, I don't want to be anything like those people. Those people aren't ethical, good journalists. They're, they're, they simply regurgitate campaign talking points. And, and from the WikiLeaks drops, we know that they actively worked, like would run pieces by the Hillary campaign in 2016. So here we go. It continues today. Disgusting. Like we devastated. Like I just... I don't like, and that's an understatement. It's devastation. It's it's a nightmare. You know, some days we feel like we're in a twilight zone, and we we just want to know, like, why are they doing this to us? Like, why did they do this to her? Like, why do we have to go through this? This isn't right. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, um, 
We just, we just, we just want answers. We want justice. And from day one, like I said, if if we're not going to stop until these people are held accountable. So that was Bianca. Uh, the full 24 minute interview is up. Uh, definitely go watch it, like it, share it. Even if you've seen it, go share it because YouTube, for whatever reason, that 24 minute interview we did was suppressed way more than other videos. Like I said, in the first hour, it had like 66 views, which is not only just terrible for status quo, it's terrible for a family. Like, this needs to get out. To me, the main takeaway I took from that interview, you know, I think when you see these stories from a distance, you know, obviously the injustice, the police terrorism, but you forget that in a lot of cases, you know, there's a disbelief factor. Like, her family still can't believe this happened. They're still in shock. She's still in shock. Um, She even said, like, I I still can't get used to just using her name in past tense. She said at one point, this feels like the Twilight Zone. And, you know, audio just came out showing uh, that Kenneth Walker, her boyfriend, who shot back at police, um, was obviously questioned. He basically said, yeah. They heard people at the door shouting, but they couldn't make out. They didn't. They weren't saying police, police. And of course, the police are saying we identified ourselves as police. But if it's, you know, 1230 in the middle of the night and you're sleeping and you wake up and you hear from a distance people at your door, you're not going to make out what they're saying. If you just hear people shouting, you're going to think you're either being robbed or something worse. So the audio that came out recently shows that. Uh, The police did, you know, the police apparently said something, but Kenneth and Brianna did not hear them say police. Well, that was according to the police days later with their lawyers. So, of course, they're going to say they said announced themselves. Um, Kenneth, let me see what he said. Hold on. In the interview with Louisville uh, police sergeant. In the interview with Louisville Police Sergeant John Mattingly, who led the late-night raid in March, the investigator questioning Mattingly describes a raid involving at least seven officers and a battering ram as the most passive way in, and says Mattingly rightfully returned fire after Taylor's boyfriend, Kenneth Walker, fired a shot. In his interview, Mattingly insists officers knocked, knocked and announced themselves when they arrived after midnight on March 13th. So right there, obviously is total bullshit. You're calling it going in after midnight to people that are sleeping with a battering ram, a passive way of approaching someone? Again, this is a woman who was an EMT. This is a woman without a criminal record. Why were you going in in the middle of the night in the first place? There's no reason to go in there in the middle of the night. How do you say this was the most passive way to go in? Oh, yeah, just going in with multiple police officers in the middle middle of the night with a battering ram. If that's passive, I don't want to know what's aggressive. I mean, that's just insane. Um, let me find. Walker was interviewed. Walker was interviewed just hours after the shooting. He waived his rights to an attorney and emotionally recalled the chaotic night, saying he shot once at what he believed was an intruder before officers opened fire. Days later, 27-year-old was indicted for attempted murder, which is also outrageous. Um, Let's see. Hold on. 
At 12.40 a.m. on March 13th, police arrived at St. Anthony Gardens, the leafy apartment complex where Taylor lived. Documents show police suspected she was stashing drugs for a friend allegedly involved in a narcotics ring. She had no history of, or criminal convictions. Again, if they suspected that, okay. I don't know why they suspected that, but why are you going in in the middle of the night with multiple police officers at a battering ram? So this shows you, do you think they would have done that? In Lexington, Kentucky? Do you think they would have done that in a nicer part of Louisville? Maybe a different skin color? I don't think so. So the racism is systemic just in the approach, just in the thinking of we need to come with force, with a battering ram, uh, no-knock warrant, because this might be a violent person. This person is more threatening than other people. Does that article go into what Kenneth reported the police officer said to him, like the CNN article does? Uh, I don't know if you want to pull up the CNN one. When he surrendered to police, Walker said an officer asked him if he had been hit. When he said no, Walker told investigators the officer responded, that's unfortunate. Wow. So this is audio that was recently unearthed. So basically, Jen, in, in my view... And this is why I was so, like, outraged when we interviewed. Uh, I don't know if people saw the interview we did with the local, uh, the, the president of the city council there. They were, when I was like, what exactly are they investigating? And he said, well, we don't know what happened. Yeah, I think we know what happened. I think mm-hmm. they racially profiled a black girl. They thought they had to go in commando style. She had no criminal record. Her boyfriend had no criminal record. They came in in the middle of the night. Okay, if... Even if, let's say, even if they did say, police, open up. Well, how do you know how far the bedroom is for the door? How do you, you know, how do you know they're going to hear you? How do you know if, you know, how do you know how many people are in the apartment that night? You don't know any of these things. And from everything we've seen, they didn't hear them. So it's just from the start, there's a racial aspect to this that can't be denied because this would not happen in a middle-class white neighborhood or an upper-middle-class white neighborhood. And frankly, uh, I again, I don't really know what they're investigating at this point. I mean, it's a pretty open-and-shut case. She wasn't found to be doing anything wrong. Uh, and frankly, you know, they could chalk it up to, oh, it's a tragedy that this happened. No, it's not a tragedy. It was a complete, um, frankly, should be an illegal police operation that took a life and somebody's got to pay for that and from what we've seen and from what Bianca told us the family hasn't been getting answers Um, and there's also you know according to the family they fear part of the operation was an effort to gentrify that block and to tear down a lot of the buildings in that block so uh, it's just outrageous and the, the most infuriating aspect of this is this was a woman who at the time was risking her life as an EMT in hospitals to save people with coronavirus. So, you know, uh, not to say we shouldn't have heard George Floyd's name, but unfortunately, because there hasn't been video in this case, uh, it hasn't taken on uh, the national media spotlight like um, George Floyd's name. In a positive note, um, a reporter with The New York Times, I think, just signed with Hulu to do a documentary series on Brianna's murder and life. So at least she's getting some more attention, but we're going to have, we're definitely going to stay on this because it's, it's outrageous.